0: The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Do we hear? God is speaking. He does speak through His Word. He does speak through His people. And He continues to speak through creation. If you would, please stand with me and let's read together a passage from Romans. It's Romans chapter 8, 28 through 30. Moreover, we know that those who love God, who are called according to His plan, everything that happens fits into a pattern for good. God in His foreknowledge chose them to bear the family likeness of His Son, that He might be the eldest of a family of many brothers and sisters. He chose them long ago. When the time came, He called them. He made them righteous in His sight and then lifted them up to the splendor of life as his own sons and daughters. Please have a seat. This uh, passage raises several good questions for us. Are we loving God? And as we love God, are we receiving God's love? Do we hear God's call? Do we hear God's invitations? And even more important than that, when God calls, do we answer? Are we listening to God's voice? Are we in pursuit of His purpose for us? And do we trust God? Do we really trust God to work everything Ultimately, everything God is saying, if we trust Him, everything works for our good. Everything that happens in our life. He's not saying that everything that happens in our life is good. He's not saying that. He knows exactly where we live. He knows exactly how our lives go. Sometimes we're up. Sometimes we're good. Sometimes the circumstances of our life are fantastic. Sometimes the circumstances of our life are... Are horrible. He knows all about that. He's not saying that's good. What he says is, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's indifferent, if you will trust me, everything ultimately will work out for your benefit. I'll make sure that I set everything right if you trust me. So do we trust him? Now these passages are somewhat like uh, the video that we watched. You know, whether we're experiencing God in creation, as the video showed us, or we're reading the Bible, and we're seeking to apply the truth in our living, what, what, what's happening in both experiencing God in creation and studying God's Word, listening for His voice, answering the questions that it raises... All, all that can be summed up in we are participating in spiritual formation. Now, what's most important to me for us as a community of people beginning a new year, it has to do with how are we individually and corporately helping each other conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I just, I just don't want us to have a year full of meetings i don't want us to have a year full of learning new songs i don't really necessarily want us to have a year full of going to our neighbors doing good things or going to the nations and having wonderful adventures if we're not being conformed to the image of jesus christ then we as a community are not doing what god has called us to do we're not called to the purpose that He's called us to. Are we conforming to the image of Jesus? That's the question. Spiritual formation, and maybe even better, what is Christian spiritual formation? This, it's defined this way. It's a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So says the president of Ashbury. Now, what that can be broken down into is this. It is a process. That process looks somewhat like this. In classical statements and then moving on into us in this contemporary world, all of us have this kind of process going on in our life. One, we have an awakening. There's this initial encounter with God. At any time God encounters us, we begin to encounter ourselves at a different different level. That would be the conversion experience. And so we want everybody that's involved in our community to have an awakening, to awaken to God, to awaken to who we are created in God's image. We have an awakening. Then that moves into purgation. And purgation sounds like purging, and that's what it means. What's happening is... (laughs) that we're trying to see our lives from the inside out come into harmony with who Jesus is and what Jesus does. So there's things in our lives, whenever we are awakened to God, whenever we begin to live in relationship with God, whenever we become part of a community, there are things in our life that we've done that need to go. He changes us. And it goes from the obvious... Getting drunk, sleeping around, pornography. That, I mean, we could, just the obvious things that we know, we've been brought up, you know, we're people that understand what's right, what's wrong. Those obvious things go. But he doesn't just stop with the obvious things. He goes to the, the inside where, where I hate, but you don't know that I hate. Where I'm impatient, but you don't know that I'm impatient, but He does. So purgation is this process that you and I are being changed from the inside out. That moves to illumination, which is this deepening relationship with God. And we and we 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 move from seeing God out there and even out there in creation to we we, we realize wow, I mean, God is, is Emmanuel. God is with me, God is even within me. God is so close. And then that moves from illumination to union, where we begin to have this experience of this oneness with God, that we're really in this very, very tight relationship. It's the tightest relationship that we'll have on the planet. is between me and Jesus, between you and Jesus, between us as a community and Jesus. We're united with our God. What's interesting about this process it's probably for the first 10 years that you and I know Jesus. We, we cycle through this process a few times. In my own life at 17, thanks to the ministry of Young Life, I'll always be indebted to that ministry because that ministry told me the story of Jesus. For the first 17 years of my life, nobody told me that story. And I even lived in Texas and nobody told me that story. There's churches all around me, but nobody told me that story. I saw hints of that story in those 70s, but no one told me that they, they did not take the time to tell me the story of Jesus. They didn't talk to me about coming to church. They talked to me about This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus did. And they took time. They didn't get in my face. They didn't give me a track. They just told me the story. At the end of six months, I was awakened. and I, 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 won't, tell you, I won't bore you with my details, but I, reme- I remember the night of my conversion. And I'm really grateful for that. I, I remember what I felt. I remember the joy that I felt. I, I, I was awakened. I was encountered by Jesus. and I moved into purgation, where things in my life begin to, to change. Uh, the obvious going and then the more subtle. And then I I moved into illumination, this deepening relationship with God, the reading of His Word. Uh, I read out of, I realized, I had this long history of reading out of strange translations. That was J.B. Phillips. Anybody ever heard of the J.B. Phillips translation of the Bible? See, that's the other, that's what I started with. That's why I like the message. I just like these strange versions of the Bible. I'm just drawn that way. Uh, But I read that that New Testament, over and over and over again. And I was brought in relate, this illumination of life in Jesus. And then I was brought in, I had this growing sense of, of Jesus being my best friend. And that kind of, that worked well for a while. And then all of a sudden, I was awakened to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Those that initially discipled me minimized the Holy Spirit. They minimized the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They minimized the power of the Holy Spirit. They, they so ran from the abuses of the gift of the Holy Spirit, they just said, well, I don't want to deal with the mess that that caused. So we're just going to say, that's over. God's changed the chapter, then, so there's a new chapter. Those things don't happen anymore. Well, guess what? They did happen. <laughs> and they happen in life all over the globe. And I had bought into believing they didn't happen. Guess what? If you believe they don't happen, guess what? They don't happen. (laughs) We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So if you believe the Holy Spirit continues the ministry that he had in the book of Acts, guess what? He will be free to continue the ministry that he was doing in the book of Acts because we have no other standard of measurement for what the church is meant to be. So he awakened me. I was awakened to the Holy Spirit. That was a whole new awakening. And guess what? The Holy Spirit wanted to go a little bit deeper in the purgation. That gummit. I had it all together on the outside. Now you begin to dig in deeply. He got into my family stuff. Nobody ever touched my family stuff until the Holy Spirit came. The scary thing, I already had a master's degree in theology, and they never touched my family stuff. I had all the knowledge of the Bible in my head in Greek and Hebrew and English. And the Holy Spirit said, that's good, but guess what? We're going to open up some doors. <laughs> Aren't you excited? And I said, no, I'm not excited. In 1989, I was like that deer that some of you hung up this year and someone just kind of gutted that deer. That's what the Holy Spirit did to me. And it felt like he was killing me. But he was getting rid of stuff, purgation, that led to illumination. A deepening relationship with God. And when I look back now, I I can just say, thank you. Thank you for loving me so much that you wanted to to hang me up and cut me open (laughs) and get rid of that stuff. And that led to a union. And then I, even, even with that awakening of the Holy Spirit, now the awakening with Jesus, I still was somewhat of a lost kid. So I went a few years and then I had this, this new awakening, which planted us in the Vineyard Movement. And, and it was an awakening to, again, community of people. It was an awakening of what the church could be. It it was an awakening of, you you hear me talk about the kingdom of God a lot. Well, I've I've been awakened to the gospel of the kingdom. That's what Jesus called it. What is that? Well, again, then that moved into purgation of, you know, some of the things that I thought about my world. I mean, I just thought things were going to get worse and worse and worse on the planet. We all get so miserable that we'd all say, Jesus, please come save us. And he'd do it. Well, the gospel of the kingdom doesn't allow me to believe that. The gospel of the kingdom really says and invites me to, hey, you can make a difference. My church is meant to make a difference. The good news is meant to make a difference. And just like I've brought improvement to your life, I've saved you, I've saved your family, your life is better than it was. I want to do the same thing on the planet. The creation that we just saw in the video, that creation is watching you and I as human beings being redeemed, becoming new people, saying, when's it our turn? When, when do we get to be redeemed? When do we get to be the new heaven and the new earth? We're, we so want that. And creation is groaning for that. Just read Paul. Romans 8, before what we read. And you and I get to make a difference on the planet. When Susan and I went to Rwanda, I mean, did we go into a nation that we don't understand what happened? Yes. But did we go with a message that said, yes, this happened, this was horrible, but there is a God in heaven that wants to set things right here in this nation so that this would never happen anywhere else on the globe. Yes. So I was awakened. And that led to getting rid of some of my false beliefs. That led to illumination. Led to So you can see you kind of cycle through. It's not just a one-time event. We all cycle through this process. This is happening in all of our lives. I would encourage you just to kind of sit down sometime today and figure out where you are. When were you awakened? Purgation is never fun to think about, but it's, it, you know, God works everything towards the good as He gets rid of stuff in our lives. Illumination and union. And the whole point of it is that we're being conformed to the image of Jesus. That, that is such an awesome story. Do you remember in Genesis, as God is creating, He says, I'm going to create man and woman, in my image. So God creates us in, in, his, in His likeness, in His resemblance. And then we move on in the story, and it doesn't happen that there's a fall. Well, mankind, did, we didn't lose the image of God. But what we've done, we've exchanged the image of God. So when we, as, a, as humanity fell... Into to sin, we we say, well, we don't want that image of God. We're going to exchange that image of God for the creation. So we're going to worship creation rather than the Creator. And we're going to, as Paul said, we're going to suppress the truth. What, you know that we that we would know that there's a Creator. I mean, that kind of bubbles up, but we're going to we're going to keep putting that down because we know that if we embrace that then he's going to restore his image in us, and so we're going to be different than what we would imagine we would be. So what's happening when when you get to Paul, what Paul is talking about is he's talking about the restoration of of, of humanity. He's talking about the restoration of the image of God in people because of who Jesus is. Being conformed to the image of Christ is bearing the family likeness. We become like our older brother. Jesus is our older brother. We become sons and daughters of of God with our older brother Jesus. We become brothers and sisters in the family of God. Now, family likeness is kind of an interesting thing, but I thought about Megan and Victor. Uh, Oliver is born, and they're both looking at Oliver's chin. And so Megan is saying, well, I think he has the Chernagel chin. It wasn't quite as bushy as mine, but he had the chin. Uh, no, Victor, no, I think he has my chin. And so, but they're looking at this new baby. This baby has a family resemblance. Do we realize that we've been brought into the family of God and we bear... His likeness. Spiritual formation is that you and I are growing individually and corporately to look more like Jesus. It also means that we're lifted to the splendor of life as sons and daughters. We do... Are daddy proud by living by his household, quote, rules. I started not to put rules there, but I realized no, it really is rules. Now, it's different. It's different than any other rules that we might find on the planet, but they're still rules. And God is still saying, you know, I'm defining what is right living. and 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 if you'll embrace and live the way that I want you to live, then it's going to be beneficial for you. I mean, this is the best way to live. So these are the rules of our household. And so God is just saying as your daddy, Jesus is saying as the elder brother, when you live this way, wow, you're bearing the family's resemblance in how you live. And we follow the example of Jesus. I mean, Jesus said, you will do what I've been doing. John says, we're to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, our older brother. And so the question becomes, as we're being conformed to the image of Jesus, are we bearing that likeness? And are we choosing to live the way that God says to live? Spiritual formation is a process. Of becoming like Jesus for the sake of others. That's a really important phrase. We are conforming to the image of Jesus not for ourselves, but first and foremost for the sake of God our Father. And then for Jesus our big brother. How many of you have a big brother? And has your big brother ever said, way to go? Like, your big brother was really proud of you that... No, it hadn't happened yet, Connor? Okay. Just the <laughs> Shh, shh. <laughs> At times I marveled. I watched Adam. He was a big brother to his younger sister, Kate, but he was also a big brother to his older sister, Megan. There was just something in his demeanor, in his care for his sisters. Jesus is that for us. So for his sake, we want to become like him. For the sake of one another, you know, when we're living at our best, when we are bearing the family resemblance, when we're living right, then it's for each other's benefit, for the sake of each other. And then for the sake of those soon-to-be adopted son I mean, it's to their benefit they see the family resemblance in us and they see how we live. And they say, wow, I would like to, to join that family. I'd like to be adopted in that family. Now, I don't know about in your household, but I can tell you in the ward household, see, things are not always right in the ward household. You know, we have an elder brother that the younger son doesn't yet feel affirmed. I mean, gee. But isn't that true for all of us? I mean, if we're going to be brought into the likeness of our family, if we're going to live the way that God wants us to live according to what He defines as right and upright, I mean... If we're going to really be formed, I mean, doesn't that mean that there might have to be correction? I mean, is there not correction in our own households? I mean, did any of us bear children that came out perfect? <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do about that imperfection in our own families? We try to bring correction. Sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we're not, right? Do we think it's any different in this household? I mean, I mean, do we expect like the soon to be adopted sons and daughters that might walk through that, like they would come in like fully formed and be like Jesus, and the way they think and the way they talk and the way they act? Think about that for a moment. I remember a story out of John Wimber's life. He'd come to know, he'd been awakened. And he just had the gifting of introducing the soon-to-be-adopted sons and daughters to Jesus. And he was in a Quaker church, and that church, it was during the hippie movement, so that 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 Quaker church, which you can imagine was very established and a little bit older, filled up with Jesus freaks. I mean I mean, people coming off the beach with very few clothes on. They didn't have Sunday wear. And they didn't always smell good. And here but they were but they were coming to know Jesus and they were then they were showing up on Sunday morning. And John says he was walking out of a service, and I like, like there's hundreds of these people that have invaded this this state and established church. And standing at the back was an elder, elderess. This lady that was an elder, and she was weeping. And John, being the sensitive guy that he was, sometimes said, "You know, madam, I." You're weeping, are, uh, are you okay? She said, John, you've ruined our church. <laughs> so, what we, you, you told me to fish. I didn't know I had to clean them before they showed up. She said, I know, I know, but it's just so hard. It's really easy for us to grow comfortable in the family of God. And to forget that we were once people unadopted. (laughs) And in some ways, unadoptable. But God saw through that, and he said, come on, because I want you. We need to be a community like that. We are being conformed into the likeness of Jesus. We're learning how to live like Jesus. When we fall short of his resemblance, when we fall short in the way that we behave, we need to learn how to respectfully correct each other. And when somebody walks through our door that is not yet as formed as we might think we are, and their behavior is not what we think it should be, we should become like Jesus to them. He was the friend of those that fell short. I don't remember Jesus judging anybody other than the religious know-it-alls. I don't want to be a religious know-it-all, do you? So we have this process in our community. I introduced it last week. This is our attempt to say, hey, our spiritual formation for us as individuals and as a community is really important. Matter of fact, it's the most important thing that we'll do this year. And so this is the pathway to spiritual formation within our community. You know, we we have this welcome to the vineyard. That's, That's just a beginning step. If you have been hanging out here, if you've not spent an evening with Susan and I, tomorrow night you can do that. We can can begin you down the path of what we're trying to do in spiritual formation. There's a sign up on our welcome table. And then we have this learning community. Uh, That learning community is part of germinating what is happening. It's a step in spiritual formation. Uh, We're going to do that Tuesday night. We're going to start a study of doing church. So if you would like to participate in there, there's a sign up on the welcome table. We're trying to help us. We're trying to do something for us as a community for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus. This morning, the thing we're going to emphasize is community groups. It is impossible for us to become like Jesus without being connected to a small group. It will not happen. If you are going alone If you're just trying to be a Christian, you and God, it isn't going to happen. Jesus, the Son of God, had three really close friends. And out of those three, he had one really good friend. Jesus had a group, a small group of 12. Jesus didn't go alone. Now, Jesus had a relationship with his Father, yes. We too want to have that relationship. But we never go alone. So these community groups are a way that we help see Jesus formed in us by being connected to a community group. Right now, these are our community groups. We we know them just simply by the people that are leading them. Jonah's leading a group on Tuesday nights. Jason and Alyssa on Wednesday night. Brent and Molly on Wednesday night. There's a San Marcos headless group. But uh, (laughs) we just have an interest in San Marcos. And we're going to let Steve... And Marianne kind of, kind of fill in there right now. Robert and Kelly are helping there as well. Uh, Wednesday, George and Cindy are leading a group. Sunday, Otto and Christy are leading a group. So the suggestions I'm going to make this morning, because I really want each of us, and I want all of us, to enter into the process of becoming like Jesus in resemblance, and in behavior. I want us to make these kinds of decisions. If you want to start the process, sign up and come tomorrow night. Welcome to the Vineyard. Sign up over there. There's a Doing Church, that's the study group. Sign up if you'd like to do that starting on Tuesday night. Uh, Our leaders, uh, last week I passed out January's reading breakthrough. Uh, the Nature of the Kingdom, there's some of those back there. If you didn't get your copy, if you're on the leadership team, those are back there. Uh, we have a middle school uh, survey for those that have middle school students. We're, we're going to launch our middle school ministry. That's pretty exciting. There's a survey back there to fill out. Just leave it there. I'll get it to Adam Harvey. But wh- what I want us to do, as far as in our kingdom time, is I want us to gather in community groups. What it means is this. I would like those that are leading our groups to kind of position themselves in different places around the room. And Then I'd like each of you to make a decision. I want to be part of that group, or at least I'm curious about that group. You've already, you may have already made a decision, so you can move to that group. And as people gather, I just want to make sure everybody knows each other's name. And I'd like for everybody to know when that group meets and what's happening in that group. And then I'd just like for you to pray for the health of your group and pray for the additions into your group. And I'd love for you to pray about the multiplication of your group because everybody needs to belong to a small group. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, if you would like to stand, let me say a prayer. And then I'm going to position the leaders, and then the rest of us can gravitate towards those small group leaders. Jesus, thank you very much that you want us to be like you. Thank you that you want us to bear the family resemblance, that you want us to look like you that there's something about us that you just you want the image that has been stamped upon our soul to, to go to just kind of gravitate through our own personalities, our own family heritage, our own whatever and and we people just know we belong to you. And thank you that you want us to conform uh, to your way of life. You want us to live life and do ministry like you did it. And thank you for this process that's going on in our lives individually and as a community. And I ask for your blessing upon us. Lord, we want to be formed into your image. We invite you. Come, Lord, awaken us. Come, Lord, and purge us of those things that get in the way of showing the family resemblance. Come, Lord, with greater illumination. And come, Lord, and unite us to you. Lord, we invite you, by your Spirit, to activate this process in all of our lives and conform us to a greater degree this year. Bless us, O Lord. And this morning, I ask that you bless our gathering as small communities. Lord, I pray for all of us to find a place to belong, to find a place where we can connect and grow spiritually to become more like you. So, Lord, bless these gatherings in your name. Amen.